Welcome to the Corporate Hippie Hustle. My name is Allie Brine, and I'm a career alignment coach, speaker, and founder of the Corporate Hippie Hustle brand. Through my work, I'm facilitating a corporate awakening, one empowered woman at a time. I teach tools to women who want to take their corporate careers from stuck to aligned. My ultimate goal is to get the right people in the right positions by challenging the status quo of the corporate world. I know some of my ideas might hit you as a little hippie, but after getting my master's at a top-ranked business school for human resources management and spending time in a Fortune 31 company, I've got some more traditional corporate thoughts for you too. I love pushing you out of your comfort zone because I believe that there's no excuse to not be the best version of yourself. If you're ready for a new take on some traditional corporate tools, combined with some more mindful hippie ideas in order to take your career from stuck to aligned, you're in the right place. I don't play average, and if you're here, I don't expect you do either. So let's do this thing. So you survived the round of layoffs, but you still don't feel safe at your job. In fact, you feel guilty. You feel paranoid. Like you don't know when the serial killer in this horror movie that you're living in is actually going to be coming for you. You feel sad for your coworkers who lost their jobs. And even though you won't admit it publicly, you feel relieved, grateful that you still have a job, grateful that it wasn't you that met your untimely end. Ultimately, you're confused why you're living with every known emotion to the human race right now, and it's not even time for you to be PMSing. So either your cycle has totally betrayed you and gone all crazy, or you're experiencing survivor's guilt, also known as survivor's syndrome. This is a work-based form of post-traumatic stress disorder, and it is having a heyday in our society right now. Because just what we needed in our society right now was another psychological issue out here running rampant. Thank you, 2020. (laughs) So on this episode of the Corporate Hippie Hustle, I'm exploring what causes survivor syndrome, some of the reactions that individuals have to it, and most importantly, how you can work your way through it if you are experiencing it. So let's take a deep breath and dive in. Workplace survivor syndrome is a term that is coined by um, organizational psychologists to describe the emotional, psychological, and physical effects of employees who have remained in the midst of a company going through a certain downsizing. Now, research has also shown that there are several common reactions that occur when a company goes through a downsizing, and we're going to talk through a number of those today. Maybe you relate to one of these. Maybe you even relate to all of them. 
let's start with the first one. So one of them is being mad at the company, being frustrated and upset at the company. And I will say, I have actually been seeing this version a lot lately in my coaching clients and even in some of my friends who have survived layoffs as of recent. But it's interesting because their version of, you know, being upset and being mad at the company has been leaning a little bit more towards like apathetic. It's more towards being like, just this apathy towards the company. It's this realization that, you know, they felt that they once worked at an organization that was a family, like you were connected. This organization really like cherished them and supported them. And some of them had been there for long spans of their lives. So they had coworkers who threw them baby showers when they were expecting. They had coworkers who had, you know, passed around their birthday cards when it was their birthday. Or if they had a death in the family, they passed around a card for that. Or they tried to do something nice or they take them out to lunch. It was also a culture that, you know, allowed them time off. Time off when they needed it. So say that kid was sick, they could go and take care of that child. Or when they did have someone pass in the family, they had time to grieve that loss. And this culture and this company had just truly become a part of their life. Like this was just ingrained in them, this company and this culture. And then the company and the culture turned on them. It just turned on them. And now they're realizing that this feeling of home and this feeling of belonging and this feeling of safety, that it couldn't go on forever at this organization that they were at. The culture changed. The culture had to change. The phrase, I know now that I'm just a number to them, has come up left and right in conversations with these people that are feeling really apathetic and feeling like betrayed. Just knowing like I'm not actually a member of this family. I was once loyal to this family. The family wasn't loyal to me when they went through all of these layoffs. So I know that I'm just a number and I don't matter. They're upset because they realize that, you know, there may be other opportunities out there and their loyalty probably isn't going to be rewarded at this point. And this can be exacerbated depending on how the actual layoff process occurred and how it went. So here's an example. If the company was reasonably generous, we'll say, during layoffs, so they offered a uh, severance package of some sort with money, benefits, something good. They gave the employees, you know, some time to wrap things up and transition. They were respectful in how they actually delivered that notification to the employee. So maybe it was their leadership having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them in person. Then these employees are, you know, a little more trusting still of how that went down. If, though, they basically just said, 
thanks for playing. Like, they got, like, so let's say a very impersonal Zoom call or maybe not even in person on Zoom. Maybe it was just a phone call or, heck, even worse, an email saying that, you know, they're done and they don't need to come back in again and this is it and their job is now over. Like, you can collect your belongings out front when you set up a time with security. We also don't care about how you move on. Good luck. Good riddance. Goodbye. Whatever. This actual practice can affect the survivors as well because they start to see what they feel like is the organization's true colors. Ultimately, either way, the trust has been broken here. Whether it's fully irreparable and just absolutely destroyed as far as trust goes, or maybe it's just a crack, like maybe it's just a little crack and you're starting to be uncertain about things. The trust has been broken here. That, you know, kind of unspoken contract between the employee and the employer. You feel it. It's personal to you. Even though, unfortunately, it's not personal. It can be really challenging sometimes to, to fully remove your personal feelings and uh, the situation from a company's decision and realize that at the end of the day, they're running a business. At the end of the day, the business's purpose is to make money. Yes, there are absolutely fringe benefits to this making money part of running a business. If you're making money, then you can create jobs for other people and other people can also make money and therefore it strengthens and helps the community and the economy and there's a trickle down effect to this. But at the end of the day, that business has shareholders and other entities that are expecting those involved in the company to make tough decisions when needed. Like when layoffs need to happen, that's a tough decision to be made. Maybe your boss may actually like adore you and consider you like a child, like one of their kids. But your boss is also a steward of the company's money. And the paycheck that they receive is the agreement that they will uphold the company's money to the best of their ability. It's that like implicit, understated, or not spoken agreement that everyone has in working at an organization. You are there to make the organization money, right? So it ultimately puts everyone in this really hard place. Your leadership, your boss, you, survivors, people who got left, like the, the company is there to make money. The business is there to make money. It's not always comfortable. It puts everyone in kind of between a rock and a hard place. But it does help to explain that research shows that when layoffs only affect 1% of the workforce, there's then a trickle down of a 31% average increase in voluntary, voluntary turnover afterwards. So this means that 31% of those people at the organization who didn't get let go, didn't get laid off, essentially kind of woke up <laughs> and realized either, you know, this was not the job for them anymore. This was not 
the company for them. This was not the culture for them, whether that was because of, you know, how the layoff went down, who got laid off, the outlook of the company and what the organization could be doing in the future. Ultimately, the trust is gone. The trust is, it's just gone here. So that's why people afterwards voluntarily start saying, oh, maybe this isn't for me. It goes back to that I'm just a number thing that I talked about a little bit earlier. No longer feeling like family and just feeling like you're a number at the organization. These all also tie into a second common reaction that happens after layoffs. And that is something you might feel right now too. It's paranoia. So looking over your shoulder and waiting for the serial killer that is your pink slip to come and get you. So even if you survived round one, is round two lurking? If you survived round one, round two, is round three lurking? Your paranoia will grow along the way. And you start to worry that you're going to be too late. And you're going to be in trouble when they catch you off guard. Your guard ultimately has to stay up now. Like you have to be on your toes all the time now. And it'll take years for you to start to ease that, ease that down a little bit and ease that back. If it does at all, because this is going to affect your entire, you know, outlook and future at that particular organization and in other organizations after you've gone through this. Everyone is starting to, you know, whisper quietly and ask questions and spread rumors about more layoffs possibly coming. And obviously no one can say for sure, because even if leadership knows about layoffs coming, they're typically not able to advertise that until like the very last minute. You can also say, too, that you're diligently starting to watch competitors, see if there's anything in the news that, you know, they're announcing anything, because if they start to announce something, then you may be a little more concerned about your company. And you might even start scanning job boards a little more often than before, just to keep an eye on what's out there and start calculating the odds in your head of how quickly you can ultimately bounce back if you need to. There's also a potential layer in this paranoia phase of the imposter syndrome. So you've taken assessment of everyone that they've let go and there were definitely a few people in there that you were really surprised that they let go. Those are the people that you always considered to be fully untouchable. You thought that they did an amazing job and they got let go. So if they got let go, then there's no chance that you're going to be able to continue to fly under the radar and be able to stay long term. Because why the heck wouldn't they let you go instead? Your brain starts telling you that you suck at what you do and that you don't deserve to be there because all these other people that you held up on a pedestal that were really good at their job, they got let go and you are downplaying yourself and thinking that you don't deserve to still be there. So you start wondering if this is still right for you 
And this is another factor that leads to that higher level of voluntary turnover when there's a layoff. Because imposter syndrome happens ultimately when you don't feel like you deserve to be in the room. You don't deserve to be at that proverbial table. You don't feel you deserve to be at that company, organization, or in your position, whatever it is. Even though past evidence shows that you very much do deserve to be there. An example of this could be if you have a degree and you have experience in social media management, we'll say as an example here. And you start to put up a post on a Facebook or Instagram or whatever. You put up a post on behalf of the company and it doesn't do as well as you'd expected it to do. And you turn it around and you start blaming yourself and you think, you know, I don't deserve this job because look at this. My ideas aren't even that good. It didn't even get that many likes on there. It didn't go viral. Someone else could do so much better at this than I could. It's a classic scenario of your brain working against you. Just because you have one particular instance, maybe two instances of not being as successful as you'd like to be, that doesn't mean that you don't deserve to be there. Your brain just wants to work against you in this scenario. So finding evidence that this initial thought of you not being good enough for whatever it is that you're pursuing is one initial step in combating this imposter syndrome. But this type of reaction, whether it be straight up paranoia, waiting to be next, or just doubting your own capabilities and doubting that you deserve to be there, it's entirely understandable. Entirely understandable. Another potential reaction that you could be facing right now is resentment towards those who left you with more work to do. It sounds entirely counterintuitive because you know you're lucky to have a job, but at the same time, you're kind of mad about it. When people get cut, their work has to go somewhere. And now here it is looking you dead in the eye and you are already busting your butt in your own role and now you have to pick up more slack. So you start to become a little frustrated, (laughs) a little frustrated with the situation, frustrated with how the company's dividing up the work after the layoffs and how much pressure you feel now to perform with all of these added, uh, added tasks on your plate in order to save your own job. Because you got to make sure you're on your best behavior right now, even if it's killing you and even if you secretly hate this entire scenario. It's just this catch-22. You're grateful for being in this position. You're grateful for having this position. At the same time, you feel bad that these people got let go, but you're also kind of pissed that they got let go. You're kind of ticked off and frustrated that they got let go and now you have to stay and pick up their work. So if you are going through any of these, like, alphabet soup type of reactions because there's so many different reactions that are all happening at the same time if you're being or as you're being a survivor in an after a layoff 
The most important thing I can tell you is this. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that you're feeling frustrated, grateful, resentful, paranoid, emotional, whatever the heck it is. You are allowed to feel these things. You are allowed to feel some of them, none of them, all of them, whatever you need to do to move forward through this time. This is a challenge. You are facing a challenge. You've experienced a trauma. Keep that in mind too. Typically, traumas are thought of as something that's, you know, really direct and poignant and gruesome. But this experience has been a trauma for you. It's affected your livelihood. It's affected your sense of identity and who you are and what you do. It's affected your general sense of both psychological and physical safety. Like that has been shook and you're allowed to feel. Feel first. Feel what you need to in this moment. It's okay to feel your feelings. And then recognize how these feelings are trickling down and affecting other parts of your life. As you're listening to this podcast right now, are you clenching your jaw? Where are you holding tension in your body? Do you you have your shoulders up towards your ears? Is your tongue stuck like glue to the roof of your mouth in anxiety? Where are you feeling this in your physical body? And where can you start to bring some ease to that? How is this showing up in your relationships? Are you and your significant other maybe fighting more often? Are you more frustrated with your kids than usual? How's this showing up in relationships for you? And how are you processing this? What are you actually doing to work through this? You're recognizing and you're feeling and how is that process? What does that look like for you? And everyone processes different. Everyone processes with a different timeline and a different purpose in the end and what they're trying to accomplish with your goal. But a few options of working through the emotions that I personally teach and that I use myself are journaling and movement. Journaling is a way to really get that mess out of your head and on paper sort it out. If you're not a writer, that's okay. If you're a verbal communicator, maybe you talk it out with someone you trust. Journaling is just communicating. So whatever form of communication you're strongest in and you're more co- most comfortable with, do that. As far as movement goes, it can be yoga. It can be running if you're one of those crazy runner people. <laughs> it can be walking. It can be whatever, whatever it needs to be for you. I'm always amazed at the problems that you can solve in such a short period of time if you just move. Movement for me personally, and I see it in my clients, is just been powerful. So take care of yourself in the short term first. Feel it, process it, recognize it, work through it. But then consider the long term as well. 
take stock. It's time to take stock. So it's important for you to really hit pause because you're at kind of a, um, like a fork in your road right now. So it's important that you assess which path you're going to take. So take an assessment of where you are in your career. So define where you are and where you want to be. Do you still enjoy doing what you're doing? Do you still enjoy your job? Outside of all of the chaos that's going on right now and that you may be feeling in the near future with the layoffs and surviving it and, you know, the changes that are happening at your organization because with layoffs comes changes. What are you thinking and feeling when it comes to your career? Does it still feel aligned with where you want to be and what you want to do? Does what you're doing align with what's important to you? Do, is, you know, with what you value right now? Essentially, are you willing to weather this storm with the organization or are you ready to inflate that uh, life raft and find your way out of there? <laughs> if your answer is, you know, yes, everything is kind of crazy right now, but I can process this, I can move through this, and I actually see a lot of opportunity for myself on the other side of it, and you're good with this kind of short-term upset, then stick with it. Stick with it. The answer isn't always to leave and to make a run for it. While yes, there are many, many, many other options right now, even in an economy and a scenario where people are saying there are no jobs, there are no jobs. Yes, there are fewer jobs, but there are still plenty of jobs. They just may be in a different industry from what you're currently looking at. But if you are saying, you know, yeah, I, I can weather this, I can do this, there's other options, there's opportunity, I can handle this. You can make the grass pretty darn green wherever you are if you need to. If your answer is uh, no, I hated what I was doing before I started, and, or before all of this started, and I still hate what I'm doing, and I now don't trust anyone here, then it's time to get clear on what comes next. Ask yourself questions like this. So if I knew I couldn't fail, oh, and side note on this one, um, tell that sassy negative imposter syndrome part of your brain just to step aside on this for a second here, okay? So if I knew I couldn't fail, what would I do in my career? Ask yourself this question. If time, money, geography, education, skills, experience, kids, whatever, if none of those things were an issue, what would you do with your career? What would you do with your career? Then get to networking. <laughs> so you can network to learn about different kinds of jobs in your industry. You can network to learn about jobs that are open, that aren't even on the job boards. Have conversations. Talk to people. They can be short. They can be long. They can be formal. They can be informal. They can be whatever you need them to be, but have conversations. I have a few episodes of this podcast that actually talks more about networking practices. So I'll link a couple of those in the show notes too if you're looking for some additional resources on what networking can be used for and some tips on how to network. 
But ultimately, networking is your secret weapon in making a successful career move after feeling survivor's guilt. Survivor syndrome isn't just something that's going to vanish for you. It's not something you feel today and it's gone tomorrow. It'll be something that you feel for a lifetime. This experience is going to stick with you. It's going to affect your career decisions right now and down the road. I promise you. But here's the thing. You're stronger than it is. You are able to create your aligned and meaningful career where you know that you're meant for so much more. 2020 has been one heck of a year and it's not quite over yet, but you are strong. You are capable. You are brave and bold and you are truly meant for so much more in your career and in your life. So I will catch you on next week's episode of the Corporate Hippie Hustle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Corporate Hippie Hustle. Don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn for daily tools to help take your corporate career from stuck to aligned. I'd also love to have you in my Facebook group, The Corporate Hippie Hustlers, where I teach exclusive content and you can find a like-minded community of women who are looking to grow their careers. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes and keep this show rolling. I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode, but until then, keep hustling.